Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm a mom of three kids, ages two, five, and seven, and I live in Southern California. And I'm Megan. I am the mom of five kids, ages six through 17, and I live in Michigan. This is the Mom Hour, part of the Life Listened Network. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 26 of the Mom Hour. I'm Megan Francis, here as always with Sarah Powers. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Megan. How are you? Oh, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, it's okay. a beautiful day, beautiful fall day here, and we are heading into the season when we're going to be around a lot of family members and friends and um, people lots who are going... expectations. Lots of expectations and people who are going to be like watching our parenting play out in sometimes very stressful situations. So we thought today we would do a show um, all about handling criticism from other people in our families or our friends or in public. Or perceived um, criticism. Perceived criticism, <laughs> which sometimes is the, case. is the case. Absolutely. So um, yeah, I can't wait to dig into this because I think this is one of those things that really trips up a lot of parents. Um, even when we feel super confident about the way we do yeah. things in our own homes and the way we do things when we're, you know, just us or just with our spouse can be very different when we're mm -hmm. in that more public situation. So we're going to dig into that in a second. But first, Sarah has a few a few comments. Yeah. yeah, I wanted to say we're going into holiday season and we still have a few spots for sponsors of our show. If you've been listening for a while, you'll know that we love working with sponsors. We especially love working with small businesses, mom-owned businesses. Um, and this is a time of year where if you have a small business, um, if you are a an entrepreneur, you're sometimes focused on holiday sales or giveaways. So we just want to open that up, especially to our kind of loyal listeners. Um, we love kind of finding some kind of package that works for you with the podcast, with a giveaway. We're, we're open to brainstorming with you and we love working with mom-owned businesses. So if you have a business and you are interested in using the podcast as a way to reach your audience, just shoot us an email. That's hello at themomhour.com. And we are lining up some sponsors for our holiday shows. And then we're going to be really focusing in 2016 on kind of our partnership with brands. So yeah, get in while you can. Get in while you can. And you know what? <laughs> I have to say it is November 2nd, which means this is one of the most difficult things for me has been as, you know, formally 
an active blogger and now a podcaster is, man, the time goes by fast. Mm. So if you're sort of like us and you're not necessarily thinking as far ahead or it seems like it's still so far. Yeah, it's not. (laughs) And if you've never done, we just worked with, um, you know, an entrepreneur who had never done this kind of outreach or advertising. So if that's you, don't be intimidated. Um, We can start small. We can start according to your budget and your goals. And we also love working with big brands. So we, you know, we've done it all. But um, if you've never, if you've never quote unquote advertised or sponsored, but you do have a business that, you know, our audience would be a good fit for, just let us know and we can, we can work with you. Yeah, absolutely. Don't be afraid if you have no idea what you're doing because right. half the and time. Right. And that was the case. <laughs> yeah. Of our recent, and, and it was okay. We'll it was hold fun. your hand. Yeah, absolutely. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. Let's, let's dig in to this topic. Um, all right, well, what, where do we start? You're always the organized one, Sarah. You can't I, um, I don't know. This is a big one. Yeah. So, um, okay. So I want to talk about, here's my first question and then maybe, maybe this will inspire you, Megan, but I want to talk about how do you respond, Megan, or how do we respond as moms when we feel criticized? Because I think that's, that is like a really important thing to understand about ourselves and everyone is different. So how right. can you think of maybe a time in your early mom days or what's your, what's your emotional response when you feel criticized? I guess is my question. Well, my, my emotional response, uh, I would say I've gotten better at tempering it, but it's still the same default. We always have our, you know, the, the thing that we go to, right? Mm-hmm. And mine is I get really red in the face mm-hmm. and I get uh, like kind of stammery. Mm-hmm. And I start kind of jumping through all these verbal hoops, trying to mm-hmm. kind of talk around whatever it is I'm doing, mm-hmm. or I get short and I'm like, Rah! you know, that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. And I, and I mm-hmm. go there very quickly, not as quickly mm-hmm. anymore. I've gotten way better at listening to what's actually being said, trying to think, is this even really criticism or is someone just making an offhand remark, which right. in, um, you know, I come from a family of talkers, John's a family of talkers. So people just say stuff sometimes right. Right. and they're not, they don't always mean what you think mm-hmm. they meant from mm-hmm. it. Um, and so I've really gotten better at taking a time to take a breath, think about it. Do I need to say anything at all? Does this mm-hmm. even require a response? And mm-hmm. if so, what would be the more adult and productive way for me to respond mm-hmm. than just getting all red in the face and having some retort defensive mm-hmm. or grumpy or otherwise? Mm-hmm. I don't know. What about you? How does it look for you? Yeah. You know, I think, I don't know. I, Cause it's less, you have to kind of almost analyze yourself. I right. think what, what I tend to do is stay pretty cool in the moment, but I'm like a big replayer of things after Ugh, the fact. Yeah. And I know I'm not the only one. So sometimes I will not even maybe realize that I feel criticized or feel vulnerable. You know, if you want to kind of broaden this in the moment, cause I'm going about my business. And then just in those quiet moments later, when you start replaying things and be think like, of all oh. the things you should have said. You know, uh, (laughs) this is like a silly example, but since we just had Halloween, um, and it wasn't even a parenting example, but we were trick or treating and I was explaining to my husband who these neighbors were because we had met them at a previous event and I didn't realize they were standing on their porch. Have you ever done that where you're, and I did not say anything bad about them, but I was talking really loudly because there were kids and I was like, you know, the people (laughs) we walk up right. right there. Like, but those, the, those people, that's it, it, not even criticism, but where you feel later, like you're like, oh, how did I look or how yeah. did I sound or what was, what were their perception of me? And that, um, I think, I don't know. So I feel like I'm a big replayer later and maybe the, maybe the self-criticism starts later when I wonder, you know, how did I handle that? Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. Like I remember the first time I felt really criticized as a parent. And it's so funny because no one said a word to me. Um, mm. It was Jacob was a little baby. And I think it was over probably over Christmas break, either thanks, 
Thanksgiving or Christmas. He was maybe between three and, you know, six weeks old. Mm -hmm. And he was kind of going through a little bit of a colicky phase in the evening. And I was doing laundry. And I was at that point where I was really frustrated because I felt like I could never get anything done in the evening. You know, that feeling where you can't put Mm -hmm. the baby down for even three seconds. Mm -hmm. And I had laundry piled up. So Mm -hmm. I had him like laying on on the middle of my bed, but I had a big bed and he wasn't rolling or anything. I had my, I was within arm's reach of him at all times. And he's just crying and crying and crying. And we had family over and we lived in a fairly small apartment. And at some point, my mother-in-law just came in and just quietly picked him up and walked out of the room. Yeah. And I was like, uh. And I felt (laughs) like I had just been given like the biggest slap in the face. Now, in reality, she's probably sitting outside thinking like, how long is she going to let that baby cry? Uh, Should I say something? Should I knock? She probably didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to I didn't know how to ask for help Mm -hmm. either. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it was like. I way inflated that in my head. Plus, I was already mm-hmm. really flustered and grumpy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I look back at that, and I'm just like, how silly. That we both were so yeah. touchy about it. Like, yeah. she didn't know how to suggest that she could pick yeah. him up. I didn't know right. how to ask her to right. pick him up and was already right. feeling like like I couldn't handle things on my own, mm-hmm. you know? It was just like a really, I feel like a really uh, delicate moment for both yeah. of us. And we probably both kind of screwed it up a little bit. But that's yes. okay. Because now if it, you know, by the time I got to like the third or fourth baby, I had a completely different relationship with her. Right. And sometimes it takes that comfort level, I think, and that feeling like, you know, everyone looks at you and, and knows you can do it. And right. at that point, I didn't have that yet. Right. So, yeah, I'd like to say I've gotten better. I think my initial response is still kind of the same, but I've just gotten better at like recognizing when it's really about me being criticized and really, mm-hmm. and not just about the other person wanting to help or not knowing what to do. Well, I want to say something about in-laws, um, which is kind of hovering because I know for a lot of people, that's kind of where these holidays and yeah. feeling judged comes in. Um, although it's certainly not the only place, but I, I am going to link to a couple articles in the show notes that I thought for helpful were helpful. But one of the points, I think it was from the New York Times piece, um, said to kind of empathize with the criticizer for just a moment to see that in, especially in the case of grandparents or in-laws, um, or even your own parents. So it might be your parents or the in-laws, um, often they are figuring out how to be in that role also. And the comments or the actions in your case are not necessarily about you not doing a good job. It's about them figuring out where their place is and also, you know, kind of remembering their own parenting days. So, so there's a whole bunch of layers in that relationship. That's much more than just you're wrong. And I know more than you because I raised your husband or whatever, right. you know, the, the, <laughs> yeah. kind of, the, like the cliche. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was really wise. Now, there are some toxic relationships where that's not going to cut that's it. Not and if, you're, right. if you're in one of those, then we feel for you. Right. But I thought that that was a good point that, that often there is an unsureness there in the grandparent role or in the in-law role, really. Right. And, yeah. and if there's, and you're, I mean, I think your story illustrates that perfectly. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? 
I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code MOMHOUR5050 at factormeals.com slash MOMHOUR50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product, Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from our place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Yeah. Well, especially when it's your first baby, then, you know, generally the relationship is still kind of new. I mean, even Mm -hmm. just the in-law relationship is still newish. And you're a new parent, so you're auto- automatically a little on edge. And and like you said, they're learning how to be grandparents and how to embrace this new role too. So that's something I've really tried to keep in mind as I've gone along because my mother-in-law is great. And as I've become more sure of myself as a parent, mm-hmm. I've been able to take the help that's offered and you know mm-hmm. ask for it. And also if a comment's made, I can blow it off because it's not mm-hmm. it's almost never about me. <laughs> you know, oftentimes too, I think what happens a lot is that um that grandparents and both in-laws and, and your own parents reminisce about what it was like mm-hmm. when they were parenting. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean they're criticizing the way parents mm-hmm. are today. It's just things are different. And, yeah. you know, I'm starting to get that myself. You know, we've joked about this, Sarah, but like yeah. when I, you know, I'm shopping for a new baby gift or something now, it's only been six years since I had right. a little baby. And I'm like, what? What is this new yeah, stuff? You know, I, know, I feel very out of touch. And sometimes I think back to when Jacob, who's almost 18, oh, mm-hmm. um, when in one week he'll be eighteen. Um, when Jacob was, you know, had his first baby shower, everything was different then. Yeah. And you know, it's not even two decades. So I think that the, oftentimes it's them just kind of trying to figure out and just commenting in right. a funny and way. Commenting exactly is part of it that it's just like, wow, this right. is different. Right. And for I think for most relatively healthy relationships, that's all they're saying, right. and that's all that we need to take it as. But it is, it's very hard, you know, yeah. as you know, when you're when you're feeling insecure in your own choices, not to feel attacked, whether the yeah. attack is there or not. Have you had experiences where you've been at like a larger family event and someone truly has, you know, called you out? I haven't. Um, I'm trying to remember I mean, if I ever not. I, yeah. I mean, I'm just really lucky. I feel really supported. And I'm not just saying that because my in-laws listen to this podcast, which they do. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, but no, I just feel really supported. I feel like um, we were the first to have kids. And as you guys all know, I'm kind of like a research analyst type. Like mm-hmm. I kind of tried to figure out how I wanted to do things. And Brian and I would talk about it as we we're pretty intentional in those first few years. I mean, I'm definitely more winging it now as I've gained my footing. So I think they saw that, I feel like. And I just feel like we are really lucky that we got really we were just well supported. So yeah. I, I can't think of any, um, if it comes to me, I will, I will share. I promise. Yeah. But I can't think of any time where I was outright just called out. You, you know? know, I had one experience and I can't even remember now who it was. And I'm being honest. I don't, I don't think it was anyone really close to me. I don't think it was like my parents or my, you know, in-laws, um, but maybe a, a, an aunt or, you know, someone we were like at a, a larger family um, mm-hmm. thing. And I had, one kid who had was getting over a cold and they were like that at that phase where they're not really contagious anymore, but they're still like coughing and they sound terrible. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. 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 And I was getting like the push to give, and I don't even remember which kid I want to say will, but I, I don't even really remember mm-hmm. which kid it was, but it was kind of when they were starting to come out with more and more studies about how cough and cold medicine yeah. doesn't really do anything yeah. it's supposed to do. And it's not good. And sometimes it's actually really bad. And, um, but it hadn't been, it wasn't like official, AAP recommendation right. yet that right. you don't give your kids um, under six or whatever it is right. now, coffee, right. cold medicine. So, but I had one family member who was just really laying on the pressure, like, aren't you going to give that kid some cough right. medicine? I have some in my, you know, and just like, wouldn't let it go. Right. And I mean, I thought about it. I was like, what was I going to do? Pull out a bunch of studies, right. start discussing right. them, right. you know, at the buffet line. It just wasn't going to happen. And I think what I ended up doing is just removing us from the situation. We yeah. went home early. And it was so funny because then, I don't know, two years later, maybe the AAP totally came out with a new position mm-hmm. about, and I wanted to just like print it out <laughs> yeah. and send it to them because, you know, sometimes like we're a little ahead on stuff, especially yeah. if we're, when we're the, the moms mm-hmm. and we're totally immersed in whatever the parenting, you know, information of the day is, sometimes mm-hmm. we reach the conclusion before it becomes official policy. Like mm-hmm. we know stuff is heading in that direction. Mm-hmm. You can see it. I mean, yeah. And I knew yeah. there was no, I wasn't going to harm him by not giving it to him. It was just annoying to other people to hear right. him cough, I guess. So right. um, I just, that was one of those little kind of vindicating, but like where you have that moment where you feel really vindicated and like validated, right. but, but there's, it's doesn't go anywhere. It's completely right. fruitless. Cause I couldn't right. get back in touch with this yeah. great aunt or whoever. And yeah. Well, <laughs> make I that comment. And I think one of the big divides, I think, especially if we're dealing generationally, and I think yeah. at some point we should talk about more like peer criticism, because that's a big oh, yeah, for sure. thing too. But while we're talking about more generational gaps, I mean, I can see how the generation, the grandparent generation, they have like a macro view. They've lived longer, they've done it more, but they've also, the details are a little fuzzy around the edges because they're so far removed. That can be a, both a strength and a weakness, I think. They have the big picture. They they know that like, if you go back to like my anal bedtime issue we talked about right. in, in the episode of things we shouldn't freak out about. I mean, those people know that a missed bedtime or a missed nap is not the end of the world. And they have that kind of gift of experience, but they're not in the trenches day to day and they don't know your kids. So I think that's a lot of times where like, like with your story with the cough medicine, where the, you butt up against each other is they're coming from it, coming at it from this like removed perspective, which can offer a lot of wisdom, really, but also isn't in the detail of the day to day. And you're the one who knows exactly what will happen if your kid misses bedtime or, you know, who's read the latest research on cough medicine or whatever. So yeah, that's where that stems from. Yeah, it is. And I I think, again, the solution just has to be like kind of acknowledging where 
I'm at is different from where they are. And knowing like when is it worth fighting back about. I think sometimes mm-hmm. when it's something that comes up again and again and again mm-hmm. and it's wearing you mm-hmm. down, it's worth addressing probably mm-hmm. calmly when you're not actually in the heat of the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes it's just not worth it. And I, I think that's one of those things you kind of have to decide. Like we can't get, I can't get mad and irritated every time someone has a disagreement right. with me right. or makes some kind of comment that could be interpreted as passive aggressive or mm-hmm. could just be an offhand comment. And I don't know <laughs> which one it is. Right. Maybe that's one of those things that having so many kids just kind of did for me is wore right. me down to the point where I just couldn't care anymore. Right. Um, right. And I couldn't overthink it all the time. I had to mm-hmm. get really, I had to get to the point where it was John and I in it together. Mm-hmm. And if we were aligned, mm-hmm. then that was really all that mattered. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes what that means is finding the parent that's most closely related to whoever the critical person is and having them run the interference. Uh, and I think sometimes that's something that doesn't end up happening. Yeah. So I think being aligned with your spouse is really key. And I've had a few times where I've kind of let Brian in on where my sensitivity is or something I'm feeling kind of extra sensitive about with the kids or somebody people's comments about the kids or something I'm worried about. And just having just going into those situations, knowing that your spouse has your back, whether they actually have to speak up or whether they just know that it's a trigger yeah. point for you, I think can be really helpful. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, um, one thing that I think where that really came in handy for us was early on when I decided I was kind of over the idea of having to go hide myself away every time I wanted to breastfeed because I breastfed all my kids for kind of a long time. Right. And I, with Jacob, I really did it. You know, I really removed myself from the situation every time mm-hmm. and like did all this elaborate covering up. And with Isaac, I was just like, uh, screw it. I am not doing that. I'm not doing yeah. that again. So if people want to be around me and I'm nursing a baby, um, they're just going to have to deal with that. And, right. you know, it was kind of funny that John really got on board with that and would, he would kind of like go into a party and start talking about women breastfeeding in public <laughs> and like, and like he would kind of like support all of the other relatives who were also yeah. nursing and like, you know, it was just, it was like really cool. Like it kind of created this very yeah. safe environment for me. Not like anyone in my family really cared, but I think it was a little weird for some of the extended family. And um, in-laws, and especially what like this, some of this was all happening when we were living. Um, John was doing this like this broadband rebuild project. So it's like cable guys. So it's like cable dudes, yeah. right? So I'm living with like in this apartment complex with my brother, my brother's friends from high school. They're all doing this job together, John, and then like these oh. all these rough cable dudes. Like like this is you know this is kind of they're all yeah. walking around their car yeah. hearts. And we'd be going out to like TJI Fridays and I'm sitting here, you know, the only woman nursing right, a baby right. at the table. I mean, it was like, I needed him to like totally have my back. Yeah. And, yeah. and he did. And actually people just kind of got over it, but it was, I don't know, it was kind of fun and cool and something that could have been really uncomfortable for me became sort of like, this is what I'm like, it became very empowering. Yeah. And, it, and you guys, it was you two against right, the world, exactly. you know? <laughs> yeah. You and the funny thing is I then of that. course, when my brother um, ended up marrying Jenna and then when she had babies and would nurse them in public. He was the same way, like really supportive of that. And I, I like to think yeah. that John and I kind of paved, paved the way yeah, for that. Yeah, you created that culture. Yeah. I love yeah. that. And you know, we did that. a lot of stuff back then. It's, it's funny now because our parenting now looks so mainstream, but we did a lot of stuff back mm-hmm. then that could be considered a little controversial, like had babies born at home and people always had questions mm-hmm. about that. And I just, I feel like mm-hmm. having John, that was something where I feel like family members had legit um, concerns because they didn't understand mm-hmm. it. And mm-hmm. so it was genuine, like they were worried about me and I got so mm-hmm. tired of explaining myself all the time that I just wanted mm-hmm. to defer it off to John and then him like really being in my corner and not showing any lack of confidence made it a lot easier. Right. 
Well, and that brings up another good point. Um, one of these articles that I'll link to have that tip is don't mistake genuine curiosity for criticism. And there are some there are some hot button topics, whether it's homeschooling right. or home birth or things that have been a little bit on the outside of mainstream that I, I'm a super curious person. Like I ask a lot of questions when I'm getting to know somebody or I want to learn. Yeah. So, um, and, but I think, I think where it can feel like criticism is that that one person may be curious and asking innocent questions. But if you're the receiver of the same questions, like yeah. we were talking about with the concerns about a home birth, it just starts to feel like you are repeating yourself right. over and over again, only you're not repeating yourself to the same person. The same person. Right. You're just having to tell that story. So just to keep it, just to keep in mind, and everybody is, has a different style of asking questions. I mean, that's such a personality that's thing. True. And there are some people who ask questions in a more kind of condescending right. or, or they hammer you, you know, like they just one after the other yeah. rapid fire. I mean, not everybody has that gift of being able to ask gently yeah. and <laughs> non-judgmentally. Um, but I did think that was a really good point. And, um, like some of the other generational gaps we're talking right. about, um, I, I can feel myself sometimes getting defensive answering questions that I know are not, are, they're not criticism, but I still, that like that little part in your brain that feels like you need to convince everybody, yes. it, yeah. it just flares up. Well, yeah. And, you know, I'm not as articulate when I'm in that right. space. Like I, but I feel like I need to, I need to have the answers when really maybe I don't, maybe I need to say, well, this is what we're thinking right. about and we don't really know. You know? It's, it's, it's a really good point because I think. Um, I felt a lot of pressure for some of the things I was doing. Like the home birth one is a really great example because no one that I lived with or around or that was in my right. family knew anybody else who was doing this. Right. So in a lot of ways, I became like the mouthpiece for this. I felt like, like I needed right. to like carry the torch for the home birth movement right. and have all the answers. Everyone was like, we know someone yeah. that a home birth. And, yeah, Megan, Megan she's the, the one. Mom. And like, I had to be prepared <laughs> with all the studies and all the statistics and all the facts and like, and and nobody right. would ever put that on someone who was going to the, the local hospital to have a baby. No one would be like, hey, what are the right. stats on, you know, this uh, your OB's, right. like, episiotomy rate? I mean, no <laughs> no one's getting, like, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure sometimes people do. But for the most part, those are not the kinds of questions that get brought up when it's a typical right. thing that most people choose. Right. So right. I often felt like I had to sort of be more than just making an informed choice for myself, but I had to be, like, a research presenter or like a debate mm -hmm. team member mm -hmm. or something. And finally I just let that go and realized most people don't even really care that much. I mean, it's, it's not right. like I, it's not my job um, or even right. anyone else's expectation to convince them of anything. I mean, someone might want right. to be a little bit reassured. Right. I can reassure them. And so certain things became sort of, you know, the way, like the things I would go back to. And, and I found that right. it was like, just in the case of home birth, which, this is just interesting. It was funny things that would really relieve people. Like I'd say, well, you know, they do carry oxygen and IVs and they'd be like, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like, like that really, but because people were coming from such a completely different baseline of knowledge, they didn't even know right. that. Like they were picturing me, right. you know, like in a hut or something. Right. So right. sometimes just saying right. something that to me sounded so dumb and lame yeah. to them would be like, oh, okay. That sounds like something right. I can wrap my mind around right. and then change right. the subject. And I remember, um, of an online, like a forum, a mom forum that I was part of that I think past the bean dip became sort of like the, yes. became like, you know, that, the, that's like a, yeah, yeah it's, it's an, the analogy or a metaphor for, you know, new topic, past the bean dip. Yeah. Say thanks for your yeah. input or, Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Past the bean dip. dip. <laughs> yeah. That comes up in two of these four articles I'll link to. Um, the other one that's related to past the bean dip, but is different that I thought was really smart again with the 
grandparent generation is instead of saying, oh, that's so interesting, pass the bean dip, say, oh, that's so interesting, tell me more. And the point was that sometimes people just want to share how they did yeah. things or their own stories. Yeah. And they're not, it's not actually a commentary about you, but they're looking for an opening to right. talk. I, I feel like I'm kind of coming down on like the side of the criticizer, but a, a couple of these points were, I think did a good job of, you know, shifting the perspective to what is this person really right. asking? Are they curious? Do they want to tell you what things were like in 1957 right. when they gave yeah. birth? Cause that's interesting. I'll listen to yeah, that. Me too. You know? and, and also that's, you know, it's makes so much sense. I mean, think about it. Like if you're in a group of women and someone is pregnant, every woman there who's been pregnant or will ever, you know, want to be pregnant has something to say about it. You know, that's, it's one of those universal things that everybody has to, wants to chime in and they want to talk about the morning sickness and when they stop being so tired and when, what their cravings mm-hmm. were and da da da. So this is just like that, except it's kind of a little further down the road when maybe you're feeling a yeah. little more, you know, a little more raw. It's not that exciting. Yeah. And maybe insecure about your <laughs> yeah. own choices. Right. Or there's there's already some insecurity there. So I don't want to sound like I'm defending people who are really critical or downplaying that or dismissing that because I know it right. can be a real problem. Well, that's, yeah, that's true. I think <laughs> and, there are definitely yeah. situations and some people who don't even deserve your the time of day or the energy it takes to deal right. with that. But I think some of the types of criticism yeah. we've been talking about fall more under that, you know, it could be, it, it could be interpreted one way or another and changing your own mindset about it can yeah. help. And even when it is genuine criticism, if it's from someone who means really well and is someone you actually want to have in your life, you know, um, sometimes the only thing we can really can control That's is our own right. reactions to it. And unfortunately, cause it'd be nice if we could just yeah. control everybody else. Well. <laughs> life would be so much easier, wouldn't it? <laughs> It would be. So let's talk about, let's talk a little bit about, you know, we've talked about family and sort of those close people close to us. But one thing that comes up a lot in the holiday is Mm -hmm. we're around strangers, like more strangers. We're out shopping more. There's more like high stress situations where you're, you know, maybe traveling with your kids, public parenting, which Mm -hmm. we've talked a lot about. Um, And I I find sometimes that things that used to really trigger me um, would be like the cashier who would kind of pressure you to let your kid throw the thing on the car. Has that no. ever happened to you? I feel like, like I, I, oh my gosh, make me mad. Well, yeah, no, I mean, it's happened to me in both. Okay. So it's happened to me both ways where like, um, I don't know what it is about. I think cashiers are just one of those people. It's just like, uh, a su- it's like a, a subset of, or what is it called? You know, like a, a okay. section, right? So you run into a lot of different cashiers yes. during the, yes. an average week and they're like a cross section <laughs> Of the public. So you're going to run into awesome people and you have these little and then not so awesome people and you have these little short um, interactions with them. So it's just a really, I find it really fascinating that whole like cashier, um, customer. And the way that they're used to dealing with children and families too. Yeah, exactly. So I've had both on both sides where I would have been checking out and the cash, you know, I've got a kid begging for candy and I'm saying no. For whatever reason, that's not really any of their business. And they're like, oh, come on, mom. I've had that happen. I mean, enough times that it's like, you know, seared into my brain. And I've also sometimes when I've decided to give in, I've felt like the little bit of the judgment in the other way. Right. You know, like, I don't really care. Yeah, sure. Throw the candy bar on. And there's like, oh, you know, she knows how to get what she wants. And then it's kind of like, those are one of those things where all I have ever been able to do is just go, huh. Because what are you going to do? I'm not going to argue with the cashier. And (laughs) <laughs> right. hopefully choose exactly. a different aisle nine next time 
<laughs> and then, you know, another thing, I think that checkout lines can be really stressful if you've got like a baby and a toddler at the same time and the baby's right. crying or the toddler's wiggling or whatever. I, those are one of those high stress sort of public situations yes. to me. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't really have any advice for it because I feel like it's one of those. It's a very limited interaction and you can only just. Kind it of is. And I it. will say something else that I know I fall into this, which is. You get better over the years at sort of managing, we've talked about this, managing the situation to avoid those meltdowns or to avoid criticism in a way, to avoid your kids behaving badly or to avoid the appearance that you don't have your you-know-what together. I will say that's a very tiring way to go about life. And there's a point at which part of it is just natural mothering. We just get better at like, okay, I'm not going to go to the grocery store with all three at 4.30, that's going to be a disaster. But right. you can kind of take that to an extreme where I find myself sometimes like trying to anticipate all the behavioral things before they happen. And I have a very mm. challenging two and a half year old. And so that's, that's an exhausting way to be. And we were at the mall the other day and I just found myself being like, it was the two girls and they were just running around. They weren't running into anybody yet, although it was borderline. They, they could have. And I just found myself, all my energy was going into making sure they didn't crash into somebody or weren't too loud to get the dirty looks. And, you know, that's common courtesy, maybe taken to an extreme in my case, um, where it's like, I think it was doing more harm on my stress level than it was doing good for anybody else. Does that make sense? So kind of paying attention to where you fall on that. If you're so concerned about avoiding those dirty looks or the criticism or the unpleasant interactions you know, your kids might be behaving pretty well, but is it at what cost? Does that kind of make sense? Uh, right. The other extreme would oh, be yeah. never, you know, never guiding your kids toward proper behavior and letting them do whatever they want. And then you have to deal with all the dirty looks. But I guess I, I definitely err more right. toward kind of trying to control everything all the time. Have we talked about that before? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think this has actually been a recurring um, theme yeah, in our yeah. shows, hasn't it? Yeah. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather, but please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Vionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic Shoes. Wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? 
Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. So Sarah, when you're telling me the story, this is reminding me of kind of this new trend right now where people sort of like pre-apologize for their kids um, when they get on a plane, like if they bring a baby on the plane mm-hmm. and are like giving out cookies and treats and notes yeah. and, you know, yeah. and I, on the one hand, I think it's sweet. And I really like when people are gracious and, and go out of their way to be, you know, good neighbors and all that. But at the same time, I'm like, ah, oh, do you know, I don't want to feel like now it's such a big deal for me to have a kid on a plane that I have to, right. you know, bribe people right. to not right. hate me. Right. <laughs> so right. I'm and not in favor. It, that is, it's like a, it's like a, uh, a mass reaction to criticism. <laughs> like it a, is. Like it's a like preempt. Popular, it's a preemptive. It, yes. And then when we've seen that done or heard the stories, you wonder, well, is this how everybody's Gonna, doing yeah. it now? Yeah, exactly. I and I, I kind of feel like as someone who flies pretty frequently, um, you know, I know that it's different. I have a lot of kids myself and maybe my tolerance for noise is different now and my tolerance for crying. In fact, John and I sometimes joke that we love to hear babies crying out in public because they're not our babies. Yeah. So you'd be like, ah, it's not ours. Yeah. But I mean, I just can only name maybe twice when I've been on a plane where a baby was so inconsolable that it really affected me. And both of those times they were in the row either behind me or yeah, next to me. Yeah, you have to, to be really close. Yeah, planes I mean, are loud. Yeah. And if you're the first timer or the new mom, you don't, you don't really remember what it was like to have crying babies before it was your right. own. But, and when it is your own, it's really loud in your ear for many hours. But really, like a distant, because the white noise of the engines and stuff, it, it would have to be right next to you to really right. be annoying. I just, and I remember one time actually when I was flying without my kids, I was, which I'm usually flying without my kids. And a lot of people, I don't know why. I think when people see moms outside of their normal habitat, (laughs) like, you know, dressed up to go to a conference or whatever, um, they just don't like think of me as a mom. So I'm just sitting next to this woman and there was a baby kind of fussing behind us and she was griping it to me like the whole time. And finally I had to say, well, you know, when I fly with my kids, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. then shut her right up. Like it hadn't occurred to her that I might right. actually she have children. Were, she thought, she thought it was one of her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but it, it's just, it's funny to me because that's one of those situations where there's nothing you can do about it. You feel criticized already by everyone else. And you know what, just cause you buy everybody off with a cookie. Right. If your baby cries the whole time, it's not really going to make any difference. Right. All you've done is sort of set the expectation that your kid's going to be a problem. And I just, it, I have a problem with this. I really do. I I agree. And it does go back to it's it's an attempt to sort of manipulate or control others' reactions, which we know from popular psychology that we cannot do. Exactly. (laughs) Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Um, So I think again it comes back to, you know, controlling the things we can or doing our best in the moment that we can. Yeah. And especially when it's people you're not gonna see again. I mean the cashiers and the airplane passengers just Love them and accept them and then move them on their way. <laughs> and move them on their way. Yes, this absolutely. Is a, different, a different 
you know, ball game than the in-laws, like we were talking about before, the grandparents or great aunt Mary or whatever. Exactly. Um, We were talking before we started recording about a post I wrote a few years ago that I had completely forgotten about. And I think it kind of plays into both public, you know, stranger criticism Mm -hmm. and family and friends Mm -hmm. criticism. Um, And it was called, was it called My Parenting Achilles Heel? I don't even remember writing this post. Yes, or What is Your Parenting Achilles Heel? Yeah. Um, And it was from several years ago on the blog. um, Yeah. And it's great. We will link to it. Um, But yeah, go ahead. So mine at the time was when Clara's teeth came in. Her teeth came in really early. She was like three months old when her teeth came in. And they were, um, like the enamel was messed up. Mm -hmm. And so they looked kind of like gray. They never looked like white, shiny little teeth like you would expect a, a baby's little teeth to. And right. so we were seeing a dentist and the dentist said, you know, this is one of those things that happens. Like maybe there was a nutritional problem, you know, when you were pregnant or maybe it's just genetic. Um, there's nothing you can do about it now. Right. And I want to, um, and I want to like pull them at some point, but not until she's probably three. Cause they wanted okay. to wait and, you know, make sure there was room right. for the other teeth to come down. Right. So basically we went three years, Clara having, really crappy front teeth looking like we didn't ever brush them right or take her to the dentist and me knowing all we were doing was writing it out there was no reason to cap them there was no reason to go through any kind of like you know complicated dentistry on her baby teeth the dentist was really laid back about it and I just felt like it was one of those things where I had to always explain myself when I was out in public like here's why she has bad teeth it's not me I swear and so it's it was just one, it was my Achilles heel at the time. And it gave me right. a lot of stress. Like I, like I look at pictures of her now from sort of, not as a baby as much, but the toddler age when it became a lot more prominent, you could really mm-hmm. tell something was off about her front mm-hmm. two teeth. Um, and I just remember like looking at those pictures and I'm going, oh, you know, like I don't want to post this online or I don't want to, because people are going to think ah, blah, 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 blah. And you know, that was my fifth kid. And by that point I'd been through a lot of this. So those things come sneak up and get you. It's yeah. not always a new yeah. parent thing. Yeah. Um, no, that's a great and Agreed. she did have her teeth, her front two pulled, four of them were kind of messed up, but they only pulled the, fir- the front two because the other two you can't tell as much. And so she hasn't had two front teeth for three years now. They haven't grown back in yet. And so she's- And now she's first grade. And now she's she in first grade. Right now in. she fits. But it was funny because when she first had them pulled, people would be like, oh my God, she's like the smallest first grader yeah. <laughs> in the world. Like she just, and people would say, because it was one thing when her teeth looked crappy, but then when she didn't have the teeth, people would say, right. oh, where'd your teeth go? Right. And she'd have to say, oh, I went to the dentist and got them pulled out. Right. And then they'd kind of look at me like, well, and I mean, well, of and- course, a lot of that was me imagining them looking at me like that. And I think, I think early in the episode, we kind of touched on anything where it's the same comment over and over again from different people starts right. to feel annoying or burdensome or like criticism when in fact it just is, you know, it's just people, noticing people being people, yeah, but I, people I, being when, people. It, when you have some insecurity about it, it just then can layer. I mean, I, I can, there's all kinds of things that that happen about, but I had a really chunky baby and it's like, Oh, you know, people yeah. love it. And then after a while you're like, Okay, hey, enough. No, like I know the thighs. I know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, she really is just nine months. I know she's the size of a two year old, you know? Like, yeah. 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 So it's just the repetitiveness of it kind of feels like remember, more criticism than this. I know you mentioned the comments to that. Do you remember what, any of the stuff that people pointed yeah, out? Yeah. And we'll link to it, but um, people just shared their own Achilles heel. You know, some yeah. of it was about, um, somebody's was about having picky eaters and wanting to justify, like, I swear I fed them vegetables when they were babies. I swear oh. I don't cook them separate meals at home. Like, you know, if, if they were out at a family gathering yes. and feeling insecure about picky eaters. Uh, several were about working outside the home or having help inside the home where feeling the need to justify or um, over overprove, right. you know, in a certain way. But I think what you did in the post was 
very wise, which is to tie it back to our own kind of upbringing and the patterns that kind of emerge early on and why maybe some of our uh, issues come about. <laughs> yeah. And so people, yeah, I mean, you were very, you were very honest. And a lot of the commenters were very honest of things that from their own upbringing that then kind of made this a trigger point. So um, yeah, I'm really glad that we remembered this when yeah. a, a gem from the archives. Well, it was, you, um, you did it, Sarah. You can take all the credit. I forgot I even wrote that post. So, well, this kind of does um, segue into where I wanted to finish, which is self criticism, which that is like something. I want to go there too, but I want to mention really quick the picky eater thing was something I meant to mention when we were talking about holiday dinners and holiday gatherings. Because that is one thing I think too, everybody has a different opinion, and you might have like, you know, you've always got that one, the one grandparent or uncle or aunt who's like the, oh, let them have whatever. It's a holiday. It's a party, blah, blah, blah. And then you've got the stickler. Right. And you can never please both. <laughs> and then sometimes you just don't want to deal with it. Like sometimes if I'm at a holiday gathering, I don't really want to mic. And I'm not a big micromanager anyway, right. but I usually at home take put more effort into making sure the kids are eating something reasonably yes. balanced than yes. I do when there's a whole bunch of people around right. I want to talk to and I don't want to make it a thing. And like, you know, we're having oh my fun. Gosh. And you have gotten to where you are, Megan, where all of your kids can go through a buffet line and put food on their own plates. You have earned a position <laughs> to not care what they put in their mouth yep. at a big family gathering. I mean, I'm like a little bit in the middle, obviously, right. but if for, there's so many years where you can't, you can't just let an 18 month old, like, Right. I mean, you, you have to, you have to put it on their plate and cut it up and you do that for so many years that yes, I would agree. I think you get free, a free pass, but it, that will maybe invite some eyes yeah. or. And I think when they are younger and, and you're, you're the one deciding what to put on their plate and it's unfamiliar food or it's maybe cooked differently right. than the way you would, you know, cook it or right. whatever it is. I, I just feel like it's one of those things where you're not going to please, you just have to smile and say pass the bean dip because right. you're right. you're not going to please both the lackadaisical right. grandpa right. and the stricter grandma or whatever the right. situation is in your house or in right. your family. So I do want to finish up and talk a little bit about self-criticism, which we all do, um, and which a lot of this all relates to, right? I think right. Um, yeah, absolutely. all that we've been talking about. And of course, there's been lots written on this and um, we could spend a ton of time, but Um, just in leading up to recording this, I was thinking about it in regards to myself. And at first I was thinking, you know, I don't think I'm really like that hard on myself. You know, I don't, the the cliche is sort of like looking in the mirror and being like, Oh, I'm ugly today. Right. Yeah. My pants don't fit. Or like, I'm a terrible mother because I yelled at my kids. And you know, these sort of like big self critical statements that are kind of cliche in the overstressed mother. And I kind of was like, I don't, I don't think I really do that. And then I started like just thinking a little bit more. And I realized there's a couple of little, I think, triggers for me that are really more about self-criticism, but they come out in other ways. And one of those is feeling when I feel super annoyed or irritated about something, it's really just covering up that little, like little prick of self-criticism. So like an example, like I tend to be triggered a lot by the house mess. Mm -hmm not keeping up with things around the house. I don't think I, I, I don't do it as much with like the kids and parenting, at least right now in my life. But, you know, I'll just, it'll be that one thing on the floor that just like is the straw, you know, that just like, oh, I just like, or why did I forget, you know, why haven't I cleaned out this thing or whatever? And really like underneath that is what? It's like, well, I'm not doing a good job with the house or I'm not. So I thought that was kind of interesting just as I like reflected over the last, like leading up to this episode is thinking that I don't criticize myself at all. And then realizing that 
usually when it's something that just makes me feel super annoyed, it's covering up something that I'm feeling like I'm not doing well. Does that you make know, sense? It totally does. And what I, mine, well, what I find <laughs> my tell or whatever is I start blaming Yes. I often blame John for stuff. I do that too. So my trigger tends to actually be the yard. Like the house I keep up pretty well. We also have a cleaning person that comes every couple of weeks. That's not something I feel like. And we have, for some reason, we have very little stuff. Not really on purpose. It's just, I don't know. I think I stopped shopping at some point. So there's just not a lot of clutter. But like outside, you know, our our garden always looks like crap. and, And I feel like that reflects on me in some way. But I blame John, even though he's even less interested in keeping it up than I am. Right. Um, I find myself lashing out a little bit. So I guess the self-criticism thing, you know, it's one of those things that we're all aware that we're supposed to not do. And like you said, sometimes there's the big cliches and sometimes there's just the stuff that we kind of can't help because it's something that we do. And I think just knowing your triggers and your tells, um, like you said, yours and mine is the blaming and yours is the stress and like getting really irritated. I think just knowing that sometimes kind of allows you, it's like meditation or whatever, right. you know, you just bring your awareness to it and go, okay, I'm doing yeah. it again. This is something yeah. that's triggering me for whatever reason. And why is it? And, and sometimes is it something that like, I genuinely want to find a way to mm-hmm. spend more time working on, or is it really something that's not that important or I really right. can't right now? Or is it just um, a pattern? Like, just like a pattern? you know, like sometimes we just get stuck in those patterns and realize, oh, okay, I don't need to, <laughs> this doesn't right. need to be my Story. Something that I'm more exactly. Yeah. exactly. yeah, I think the main thing for me was the feeling like I wasn't super self-critical, and then realizing, well, it may just it may just come out in other ways. I may not yeah. be looking in the mirror and thinking I'm a horrible mother today, right. which is like sort of the cliche. But there's other little ways that I'm telling myself that you know you're not doing enough of this, or you know whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I totally get it, and and. You know, and I think that sometimes that sort of thing can come out um, when it's more of like when we're around other people, it can also come out in the things that sometimes, you know, you were talking earlier about things that people bring up again and again and again. That's mm-hmm. one of those things that come sometimes can get wearying, but sometimes mm-hmm. the stuff that we're super like self-conscious about yeah. for whatever reason, it seems like people are talking about it more than they are, or right. it seems like their words oh, have true. different, you know, like, like, you know, right now, if someone wanted to start asking me questions about Jacob's college plans. That right. might trigger in me right. a little bit of feeling criticized because right. he has none right. <laughs> and he's a senior and we'll be 18 right. in a week. So, right. um, yeah, I mean, I just feel like sometimes there's those things that like we feel like we should feel bad about. And mm-hmm. those are the things we feel criticized about even when mm-hmm. we're not, which really is the theme of this show. If you look back, like there are the things people really do criticize you about. And then yeah. you have the choice to ignore it, right. address it or pass the bean dip it. Right. But then there are the things that really we're just criticizing ourselves about mm-hmm. or anticipating criticism. Yes. And that's really way more, that's really more insidious because you can't yes. get rid of that. That's not, yes. inter- that's not external. That's internal. So true. Um, so, so true. I have to plug um, our, there's a podcast I love called Zen Parenting Radio. And um, I don't listen every time, every episode, but you actually interviewed them on the home hour. Yeah, the I husband did, yeah. and wife, husband and wife team. She's, um, like a professional kind of coach therapist um, comes from that professionally and he's her husband and comes from it more of a lay person, although together they teach parenting classes and they're great. Um, But I just, in my podcast feed this morning, their most recent episode is literally called dealing with criticism. And I was like, Oh, and I listened to a good portion of it and um, it's going to be a great, hopefully if you're looking for more, a great compliment to this. They, I think they talk a lot about kind of, creatively and professionally and kind of in our adult lives, 
um, handling criticism or fear of criticism, which you and I didn't really touch on. Um, and of course, Kathy is like the real deal comes from a therapy and coaching perspective. So if you, if you want more, um, I'm excited to listen to the rest of it and they are great. So there's Zen Parenting Radio. I wanted to give them a little shout cool. out. Great. So, well, this yeah, has been a great conversation. Do we have anything to add before we yeah, kind of move into wrap yeah, up? I kind of, yeah, I'm going to put in the show notes. Um, we've gotten some questions about how to leave an iTunes review. And a lot of times we throw it out there where, you know, we ask you guys to leave us a rating or a review, not just for our egos, but because the more iTunes sees that people are um, talking about the show, even good or bad, um, it just raises its profile and makes it easier for other people to find it. Um, so we have some really sweet reviews on iTunes, but, um, when we were at beyond Megan in Michigan at your retreat, um, my friend Allison was like, I have a confession. I don't know how to leave a review in iTunes on my phone. And I was like, Oh, I'm sure it's easy. And we like looked at it and it took us like 10 minutes. It's really not that easy, whether you're doing it on your phone through like the podcast app or in your browser. So in the show notes for this show, which are at themomhour.com, this is episode 26, I'm gonna do a little just step-by-step of how to leave a rating or review on your phone or on your computer in a browser. Um, So I I won't go step-by-step here on the podcast, but do go over to the show notes and look for that. And just also know if you're on your phone right now and you've never tried it, it is possible, but it's not intuitive. Um, In the podcast app in iTunes, for example, you have to search for our show as if you're looking us up for the first time, which most of you listening who are subscribers or regular listeners probably have us in your, like where you see your subscribed shows, which is called, I think, my podcasts or something. You have to actually search for us as if it's the first time you're discovering us, then click on the podcast, and then you see a little place called reviews, and then you can write a review. But that's what Allison and I couldn't figure out, because if you're if you're going into the shows that you're always listening to and you look for it there, there is nowhere to do it. So that's a little confusing, I think. Um, and we love the ratings and reviews. So we we're do. just trying to make it a little bit easier for you. And I know it's not, it's not, it's, it has nothing to do with being techno, you know, technologically no. savvy because it's confusing. And Apple is very intense about their security <laughs> measures, yeah. which I just discovered because I switched over my phone and I finally got a new phone. My old phone was shattered and I discovered, I didn't know this. I wondered why I was having so much trouble logging in to review other friends podcasts. And it's because my uh, Apple username or, you know, account name or whatever is not the same as what I listen to podcasts under, which is like a shared family account or something. It's so iTunes is different from iCloud, which might be different from your Apple login. They're all different. And I did not know that. And so I was, I kept trying to log in and like using the wrong password and then I would get us locked out. I got myself permanently locked out of one. I can't get back in. Like they won't let me back in. <laughs> you now. will not. It's just done. I had to abandon it because I had some crazy security, you know, question that made no sense. And, and the email address attached to it was my iCloud email, which I couldn't get into because oh, yeah. I was locked out of that. And it was just People are mess. nodding along with you right now. Yeah, I, I know. I'm sure this <laughs> no, has happened to several people who are listening to this. So I had to like actually abandon it. But then John walks in the room and says, oh, that's not even our, that's not even your login. I was like, what are you talking about? He said, oh, I set it all up under a family plan. It's this completely other address. I was like, oh my gosh. So it it's confusing technology. So yeah. don't blame yeah. yourself, but do try yeah. now. Don't criticize yourself. Don't criticize yourself. <laughs> 
myself. But it's not you, it's Apple. But do uh, but do check out the Mom Hour and, and see if you can. Yeah, so I'm gonna go ahead I'm gonna make this easy, at least in today's show notes. So those are always at themomhour.com. Then you just look for episode 26, and I'm gonna have those there. And then I think I'll just make them into a little page or a little post on our website, so we can always refer people to how to do that and um, update it if yeah. Apple decides to change its mind, which they might. So- yeah, which they probably will. Um, so, no, I think that was all I had. So you guys can always email us, hello at themomhour.com. Let us know what you feel criticized about or leave us a comment in the show notes and let us know. I think this is really good. One, one of those topics that's really good to kind of air what's inside your head. Um, yeah. And there are for sure more people with some of the same thoughts. And it covers every range of parenting, every stage, every, yes. you know, every, yeah. every age and stage for sure. I'm, I'm, I'm still in it, even though I'm not uh, the one nursing at the table anymore. Right. So <laughs> we're talking about my home births. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. 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 It's, still, you could it can, still get on that. And I'm sure when my kids are 30, I'll still feel it, you know, yeah. like, yeah. So what's Jacob well, doing Well, even now? all the more reason to figure out ways to deal. To cope. Yep, yeah. exactly. Um, and thanks, everybody. We did have a few minor technical and or editing um, challenges. A few, Sarah. This, this was a hot mess. <laughs> this episode took but us two days to record. And it's <laughs> it's like 17 like... segments <laughs> that my husband is going to have to like somehow glue together. So I hope. I just hope but it we're not going to be critical about no. our in that we're just gonna we did our best we did our best yeah and um but if this was your first episode you can expect probably a good improvement on the technical side next time (laughs) yeah everything conspired like my mic um skype um violet yeah we have the second (laughs) a barking dog my electricity went out yesterday i mean it was like every possible thing that could go wrong this episode has probably taken us three or four hours of our lives just to you know just to speak, Which just to all say the, the words. reason to listen to it. And yeah. hopefully it was exactly. a good one for somebody out there. All right. Well, we should wrap up yep. soon before something else. Before something else goes, before <laughs> I get hit by lightning. So, and, all right, um, everyone. See you November, next week. Everybody, we'll see you next week. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Sarah, I started a Substack last spring just kind of as an experiment and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general. You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if Mom Hour listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com, and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N-Francis.substack.com.